Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We're very pleased you've joined us today. We would love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. Today's June 9th, 2016. I'm Charlie Wright, and we're very pleased to welcome for the very first time as our guests and Neet Singal, founder and managing partner of First Capital Real Estate Investments. He speaks to us from their headquarters in New York City. Sunit, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you. So, Sunit, you've been 15 years in the real estate financing and operations business. Tell us some of your personal background here. Uh, so, my background, uh, kind of been an entrepreneur my whole life. Started uh, started working when I was uh, 11 years old as a paper boy and haven't uh, looked back since. When I uh, came out of college, I uh, was in finance and was actually at a Fortune 500 company and uh, realized pretty early on that I wanted to primarily work for myself and and uh, create something that was uh, of my own vision and and could move forward with. And so I um, I ended up in uh, starting my kind of uh, kind of entrepreneurial finance career. In the uh, real estate industry, uh, started off as a loan officer actually in 2001, and uh, from that point on, uh, it's been real estate nonstop in every vertical of of the industry that you um, can think of. Uh, we've went from uh, went from originating loans to uh, becoming a a uh, manager, eventually a broker, um, then became a securitizer. Um, ended up uh, building both wholesale retail platforms and uh, built the company up uh, nationwide to where we were doing about a billion for a year on uh, securitizations. And then uh, during the credit market uh, wind down uh, during the 2007 to 2008 period, I uh, ended up becoming a real estate principal, uh, started specializing in uh, bank workout deals, rehab, value-add, repositioning of assets, and and the, um, the spectrum uh, was pretty wide, uh, so we ended up. Uh, that's how I got exposed to over 14 states at the time in a very short period, in less than a year, and uh, over several different asset types, uh, ranging from multifamily, industrial parks, land entitlements, uh, senior living, mixed use, urban project development, and got a good good exposure to different opportunities. and And during that period of time, uh, ended up becoming. Uh, vertically integrated as a company, ended up uh, building out a development platform, building platform, a uh, retail operation, and as we kind of vertically integrated those companies, we aggregated assets, were able to then uh, successfully start seeing those assets enter exits from 2011, 12, and 13, and 14, and during that period of time, went out and said, okay, it's time for us to start moving on with our institutional equity partners and start growing this company to the next level. At that point, we had got to a couple hundred million in assets, and uh, then were introduced to the uh, the REIT community, and uh, really liked uh, being able to bring uh, private equity economics into institutional real estate style investing, and uh, thought that there was an opportunity to really expose retail investors to private equity type yields, and so um, found ourselves uh, running a REIT, 
I made the move from Sacramento, California to New York City, and and uh, now we're here on Wall Street and uh, having a really good time uh, while we're building this company. It's been an amazing journey so far in the in the nine months that uh, we've been in New York. Um, the company's been around for a few years, and uh, we've uh, really expanded our base. And uh, we're we're proud of a lot of the new products that we've launched and what's currently going on with product number one. Okay, so tell us uh, what makes First Capital Real Estate Investments unique in the marketplace from your perspective. So First Capital Real Estate, I think what makes it uh, probably most unique is that because we come from a background and myself and the team of uh, really working on value-add opportunities, and when we use the words value-add, it's not just um, a basic repositioning of an asset. It's, it's really looking at the highest and best use of that particular property, that property type, that location, and what can we do. And so the vertical integration of First Capital looking at everything from a raw land state all the way through a stable, stabilized asset, whatever the asset class may be at the time, I think that really gives us a unique way of looking at properties. The other thing that's unique about us, I think, is we do a lot of work in secondary markets in the country, whereas you know most folks in the institutional space are primarily core market operators. And so that those two things together give us the opportunity to really look at you know uh, abundance of deal flow, markets that aren't overly saturated, markets that have room for growth, and allows us to really come in and deliver property types and markets that um, you know have room to overcome a lot of the issues that have been in the space today, net asset value growth, load factor, uh, all these kinds of things. If you look at PE economics in that part of the industry, that really, um, there really is quite a bit of room to show growth to investors, and that's really why we got into this space. So, so tell us, Sunit, why are is First Capital willing to enter into the secondary market when most companies like you, as you mentioned, are not willing to do that? You know, we see this as an opportunistic period. Um, you know, we see that the investment strategy of a lot of our peers are similar in nature, right? So typically, if finance managers that are running more algorithm-style business with real estate. So they're they're, uh, investing in triple-net leases, core markets. Um, uh, They're making a yield as an arbitrage of interest rates being low and being able to pay out a healthy dividend to their investors. And during an up-run, when you have cap rate compression, allows you to go ahead and have multiple exits, and clearly companies in the space have been successful. And then when the Department of Labor and had this ruling and 1502 came out with daily net asset value reporting. These issues, when you factor in the load, specifically in the non-traded part of the industry, become major issues for overcoming that, what the period of time to do that is, um, and how do you, uh, you know, how do you deliver investors yield plus overcome that and show a gain. So for us, you know, the reason we're coming in, as we said, if we can bridge the gap in bringing in this private equi- equity style of investing, in value-add real estate, secondary markets. Uh, we believe that if you compare that the cost of equity to the private side compared to the cost of equity in the public side, um, despite the low, despite the dividend requirements, the cost of capital is essentially about half. And so from our perspective, there's plenty of opportunity for both the investors and the sponsors to do well together in the space, but it's going to require a different style of investing, a different mindset, um, that we think would work, and and um, and that's what we wanted to bring, and so that gives us, you know, makes us unique 
Um, there's not many folks that have investment strategies similar to ours right now that we've seen, um, and th- makes us want to come in full-fledged at this time. We also see that there's some very high-quality uh, industry experts that have been around that uh, currently, as other folks scale back, have become available in the marketplace, and so we've really taken advantage of that to strengthen our management team and uh, you know grow at an accelerated rate when we think this is the time to do it. So tell us, what kind of opportunities are you pursuing? Are they uh, office space? Are they uh, multifamily? Are they retail? Uh, wh- what are you pursuing? Are they triple net leases? Are you looking to uh, uh, bring value added by, by redoing, the, uh, altering the properties and the like? Are you just looking for bargains? What are you looking for? So we, um, you know, we look at uh, different strategies, different markets, different asset types. Um, uh, recently, we took down a flagship property. It's a master plan in uh, Sacramento, California, where I'm from, uh, which was, you know, one of the strongest markets in the country the past year in housing growth, uh, rental markets, and multifamily. Uh, that project, you know, what we liked about it, it had $40 million of infrastructure already invested into it, had a million square feet of office and retail, 2,400 units of residential. Um, it catered to urban infill, the secondary market play, had uh, public transportation components that fed to the downtown corridor there. And as we look at millennial trends right now that are starting to move out of these kind of the old gate-guarded community model and more into urban lifestyles of living, um, these trends kind of go with smaller units, smaller spaces, more common areas, bigger amenities, kind of that what we call the urban living room of 24-7 Wi-Fi, public transportation, outdoor connectivity, the generation of more renters than buyers. And so as these trends start coming, you know, our investment strategy uh, becomes similar to that uh, in nature. And so what we end up finding ourselves doing is looking at those types of trends on a value-add play. So in that particular opportunity, what we liked about it is that we have seven years of value to create over a billion dollars of development. Um, and if you look at our equivalent uh, cost on construction on that site, we end up owning those assets at the equivalent of a 10-plus cap rate, whereas normally today's market you'd be paying five cap, five and a half caps, or even sub-five in some cases for those assets. And so that additional arbitrage and cap um, really kind of allows for us to have room to absorb higher interest rates if rates go up and still pay out dividends to our investors and still have room for NAV growth. Some cases we look at just repositioning an asset. Uh, we're completing a hospitality project right now in North Texas. Property was an aged property that uh, needed uh, additional set of uh, property improvement um, to take place in a flag with a major reservation system. We came into doing that. Uh, we're now finishing up that reservation and uh, that renovation. Reservations have gone up considerably. Uh, room rates have gone up, and the property now has a much higher value than our original acquisition base only a year and a half prior. So these are the kind of things that we're doing. So it's really each each strategy is not the same, one market versus the other, and it's, it's really about us being able to identify what's the highest and best use for that property, that market, um, which is kind of a big part of our core strategy versus trying to fit one single asset type into every market to scale that way. We just don't think that, that it's apples to apples. Real estate's a localized business, and you need to have local kind of boots on the ground in each one of these markets, and that's how we try to look at it. So, Neat, we hold that right there. We need to take a break, and when we come back, we want to talk about 
uh, what kind of holding periods you guys uh, try to achieve for your properties, okay? And if your properties are income fo- or yield focused, or if they're equity growth focused. So we're talking right. again with Sunit Singal, founding founder and managing partner of First Capital Real Estate Investments out of New York City. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. We have the pleasure of talking with Sunit Singal, founder and managing partner of First Capital Real Estate Investments out of New York City. So, Sunit, uh, tell us what kind of holding period do you foresee for the properties that you're in? Investors are always wanting to know that. Yeah, generally, um, our so our period, uh, real estate cycles are uh, historically seven to ten year cycles. Um, last four have kind of averaged seven to eight. We generally like to have our business plan fit within three to five years. Uh, we consider us to be, uh, if uh, seven to ten is the long and one to two is a group that's kind of in and out flip approach, uh, we're probably right in the middle. So there's some assets where we believe once you capture your gain, you want to monetize that for your investors and move on. Those assets we generally average one to three years on our strategy. Uh, for the long-term uh, you know, income related assets uh, or assets where we need to stabilize to create that yield. Uh, sometimes we'll average more of a three- to five-year play there. Um, it also depends on kind of where we are in the cycle. Uh, one of the things that we're you know proud of is we try not to forecast out uh, too far out, right? So there's, uh, it's very difficult to do that and have uh, integrity when we uh, talk to our investors. And so what we uh, really try to do is stay within a shorter cycle within the period that we are in, um, so we feel that we have some control over uh, the outcome within given those market conditions or given ourselves enough time that should market conditions change, that based on historical trends of the period of time that that change might occur, uh, we're still able to reach an exit strategy uh, within our within that particular asset. And so uh, generally I call us today, we're at three to five. We, uh, we go with what uh, we call a uh, dual reach strategy here, which is, 50% focused on cash flow, and the other 50% uh, focused on on yield uh, growth. Um, and so it's really, you know, it's really about while a lot of uh, folks in the industry are more focused, I think, on yield, um, as the investors are, you know, we really try to put a pretty big concentration of that in growth equity uh, for NAV, and then also still be able to cater to a healthy uh, dividend and cash flow. And when uh, the whole portfolio is cash flowing, it's even that much better, but uh, we try to hit minimums off the initial acquisitions. Okay, and what's the uh, typical yield or income that you're striving to achieve for investors? And especially with low bond rates today, do you find that investors are more and more focused on that? Yes, yeah, so we try to average on the cash flow for investors between 
six to nine percent. Um, a lot of times we'll get higher than that, but on a cash on cash basis, as we like to have them in that range. Um, to sometimes because we have so much on the growth side of a portfolio, we may be in the six to seven range for the early years, um, and then we end up closer to nine, ten, eleven in the later years as the uh, additional assets are stabilized. On the growth side, uh, we uh, we typically are looking for no less than uh, 20% project ROI. Um, a lot of times we'll end up, or sorry, I should say project IRR. We'll, uh, we average maybe 25, 28% on those returns. Um, and then usually you want to have an ROI on the project that's about 15 plus. So, you know, if we can hit those target economics, we're able to uh, create usually, you know, at least uh, 15 to 25% uh, growth component in our NAV. Um, which then allows us to couple that with cash flow. Um, and then upon stabilization of the growth assets coupled with the existing cash flowing assets, uh, the net coverage should be uh, very healthy for investors. Okay. And tell us geographically, how diverse are you here? So uh, we follow what I like to call the Mona Lisa smile in the States. So we, uh, because of uh, job, job growth in America, is really kind of follow that same trend. So you try to go from, you know, call it Northern California, all the way around to the Carolinas, um, and uh, sometimes the, you'll currently in our read here. Uh, what's unique to that is we also add in a pretty nice base of East Coast assets, which are more traditional and institutional in nature, and then our kind of value add growth oriented assets are secondary markets from kind of Carolina to the Texas uh, corridor, um, and then we have uh, right now we're doing quite a bit of of uh, development in Northern California, specifically directly attributable to uh, job growth. Um, you know, the flagship project I mentioned earlier currently has, you know, over 15,000 jobs are being created in that market right now, and there's um, less than 1,000 units of inventory available. So it's a great great position to be in as a developer and as an investor with the REIT. So we, we well, that's kind of our generally our kind of growth patterns following these secondary markets, uh, looking for where the jobs are going, and, we, and we're looking for kind of base hits and doubles. Um, we're not looking for home run plays, per se. Uh, every now and then you get lucky and you get that, but we're really looking for kind of down-the-fairway stuff. So. You know, this morning I uh, saw in uh, <coughs> Yahoo, Yahoo News an article that said that uh, real estate values are expected to start dr- uh, increasing dramatically soon, according to this particular author. What kind of inflation rate are you building into the projects that you have? Yeah, so right now with our inflation rates, we're, we're using pretty typical industry uh, standards on uh, trending, right? So you're you know, averaging um, 2 3 4% type numbers. But I think that the in terms of how we're looking at the growth side of it, it's more the ancillary factors. Um, so I, uh, contrary to what that author may have stated, um, you know, we are concerned right now with interest rates in the market. Uh, we think that, you know, we're going to start seeing some uh, CMBS uh, lender issues um, start seeing some of these um, default rates go up on commercial debt. There's a wave of debt from 2006 and 7 um, that's going to start hitting maturities in 2016 and 17, and we see that wave of paper start to come through. Um, a lot of that may be restructured, but some of it won't be able to. And so we um, we actually see there being some corrections taking place in the core markets in the country, and we think we're the where the gains will be realized is more in these secondary market strategies. Um, we do think, though, there are some ancillary factors that can really help drive additional growth, which probably will also help the core markets as well. Um, 
that's a couple things, right? You have a lot of foreign investors right now coming into core markets in the country. They have more of a preservation of capital investment thesis versus a um, kind of growth capital investment thesis. So allows them to um, to make investments at these kind of lower cap rates and some of the comp- comparables we're seeing with recent foreign investors coming in, in the States. Um, also, you have other things, right? You have a lot of conversation happening around this new index uh, for real estate investment trusts um, on the publicly traded side, forecasts of $25 billion to $100 billion coming into the marketplace of you know, what's not been historically real estate investors. Um, so you start seeing some of these things take place. I think that kind of changes the landscape. You can see some short-term gains because of that. Um, not necessarily sustainable, but certainly I think that that uh, leans toward the trends going that way. So, you know, we think the happy medium is something between that and uh, being concerned for being able to hedge with interest rates, uh, risk widening. Uh, I think that, you know, there's some hybrid between that, which is what we try to stay focused on. Um, but um, we're, not as, we're not as optimistic about um, kind of the growth pace continuing on. Um, you know, I think it's healthier to have a more sustainable trend, and we need to be positioned for, you know, downturn opportunities as well. So, neat uh, question we like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night? So the first part of that would probably be my my children. I've got uh, I've got uh, young children, and so they certainly uh, certainly uh, do keep me awake at night. But I I think that from a um, from a perspective of uh, kind of things that uh, that I generally think about is it's it's really um, this this uh, challenge that I see as a as a very fun challenge. But it's a challenge of really bridging the market gap between. Um, private and public markets, specifically in the real estate space, uh, bringing more liquidity to this space on the private side, um, bringing public markets up to speed with PE styles doing business, um, looking at uh, looking at the trends of how retail investors think in the institutional market and the institutional investors in the public markets, and kind of how those same investors in the private markets think, and those um, that gap. Is something that you know I find to be just quite an exciting challenge, and you know it's one of the things that uh, I'm determined to to be a part of contributing towards the solution. But uh, I do actually think about that quite a bit at night. So, so Suni, the second question we'd like to ask our guests is: What book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? So it's funny. I um, I wouldn't necessarily call this maybe the best investment book, but I I actually do use it as an investment book and. That would be a, it's a pretty well-known uh, book. It's The Art of War by Shen, Shen Zhu. I, uh, that, that book has uh, been used by the military for years, and it's a great uh, boardroom um, style of doing business um, kind of model. Um, but in addition to that, I think it's a great uh, way to look at investing. So I try to try to take an investment approach that uh, it's uh, what I call defensive investing. Um, so you're constantly looking at the different angles of each opportunity that's in front of you, um, outside factors and internal factors, and really try to determine, uh, you know, how you can create the best opportunity. And so I, I think The Art of War is a great a great book for investors to read, if for nothing more than to kind of think defensively as well as they already think offensively, just being, uh, just already being on the um, investment side. But I think that having a defensive approach uh, to that as a hedge is not a bad thing. 
Uh, you know, Sunit, we have not, that book has not been recommended before. And as a father of seven, and all of those seven are now grown, I can see where that book would be very advantageous during those teenage years, I tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, well said. So, uh, Sunit, give us your website, will you, for those who want to know more. Absolutely. It's uh, www.firstcapitalre.com. F-I-R-S-T-C-A-P-I-T-A-L-R-E.com. Okay, firstcapital.com. That is great. So final words for our listeners here, Sunit. So final words, I'd say um, to all of all the listeners, um, you, you know, looking at with investments, there's so many choices, so many opportunities out there. For me, what drove me to real estate was being able to have, you know, tangible, hard collateral that I could go to, touch and feel, and know that there's always ways to improve it, um, and there's not a whole lot more of it being made from a pure fundamental down to land being created on the earth perspective. And so, you know, what I love about it is that you have an ability to look at an asset type that I think is something that should be in everybody's portfolio. What's your strategy within it may be different, but um, I think that, um, you know, for all, what I'd recommend to investors is certainly take a look at our strategy, take a look at other strategies out there. And if you're, um, if you're somebody that, that believes in real estate the way we do, we think you'll find what we're doing uh, be quite interesting. Sunit, thank you very much. We appreciate that, and thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me. So again, we've been talking with Sunit Singhal, founder and managing partner of First Capital Real Estate Investments out of New York City. And you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. And we, and this is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. 